Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. My name is Colin Waitsman. I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News. And definitely a bunch of things have happened. We've had some developments on previous stories, so we really want to get into those ones. Uh, first, uh, before we get into it, make sure that you like, share, and subscribe to the episode. And I've forgotten to mention that in the beginning uh, before, but yeah, it helps us know that you're enjoying the show and uh, really would appreciate it. And thanks for all the support so far. Uh, first story we're going to get into uh, discussing the Ivy League, how they decided that they're going to cancel all their winter sports, what that means for indoor track, outdoor track in the future, and uh, just the sport as a whole. Uh, next, we're going to touch briefly on National Signing Day. Um, what are some of the schools that participated? Not individual athletes themselves, but just, you know, what happened on it. And then next, we're going to finish off with the discussion and debate that it seems to have been really rising recently between football and track and field and football strength, track strength, and then football speed and track speed. So we're going to get into all those things uh, right now. First, uh, let's take a look at the Ivy League. So on November 12th, which was a Thursday, uh, they officially announced that they are going to be canceling all winter sports. So that means no basketball, no indoor track, obviously, uh, for men, for women, uh, all sports completely canceled. And that's a lot. Uh, it means a lot. I mean, I, the Ivy League is obviously one of the, the programs that has been really ahead of, of all these things, and, and rightfully so. I mean, you're, you're the Ivy League. You're one of the, you're the top academic conference by far, some would say. Not some would say. It is a top, top conference academically. You have a lot of people probably that are, are, are in the institutions saying how it's not a great idea to have to have athletics be going on, whether it be with fans or without fans, you know, just for the safety of everyone that is competing and that is there. And so it's not that big of a surprise because earlier on we saw that they had announced, I think it was about a month or so ago, that they had already said it's only going to be within the conference. They already canceled all their non-conference uh, games. And this is primarily for basketball, but it would obviously affect other sports like track and field as well. And so they announced that they were canceling all out-of-conference games. And then just recently now they've said, yeah, we're going to go the ways of, of no no scheduling. So uh, this means a lot. Uh, obviously, it's a bigger hit for basketball um, because obviously that's the, the main sport and the big moneymaker. Uh, so they're, they're going to be losing a lot of money through that, um, but for track and field, it, it means a lot. Also, uh, obviously, you're gonna you have a lot of athletes that are no longer gonna be able to compete, and so now I'm wondering, what are these athletes going to do? Because uh, if you're not familiar with it, uh, the Ivy League doesn't really give exceptions ac- athletically uh, for coming back for fifth years. It's it's not something that that they do, and so this means that we could be seeing athletes transferring from these Ivy League schools. Now, I'm not sure how many it's going to be because if you get into an Ivy League school, uh, you're not just going there athletically. I mean, because there are tons of schools that you could be going to if just athletics was your main focus. But if you're going to a Penn, a Harvard, a Yale, a Columbia, a Princeton, if you're going to some of those big schools, 
these Ivy League schools, you're going there because academics is a big part of your life as well. There, that's that's the case. It's not like you're just going to a Duke or a North Carolina or a Florida, which have very good academic programs. Uh, I'm not going to say that they don't, but they're not on the same level as a Harvard and a Yale. And I'm I'm sure that the people there wouldn't wouldn't disagree. So I'm wondering, what are these athletes going to do? Because they know they're not going to be given this extra year of eligibility from their school. So are they going to? finish out their undergrad here and then hope for the best next season and transfer somewhere else? Uh, are they just, are some of these athletes just going to transfer to other schools now and say, yeah, I had a great run here at Columbia, but I'm going to, I really want to pursue this athletic, um, this athletic background. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, and the, the, the competition at these schools are, are huge. They're, they're really, really good schools athletically as well. Uh, now, it's not a winter sport, but this automatically brings my mind to thinking, does this mean the Penn Relays is going to be canceled again for another year? Because they're, if, if Penn is deciding they're not going to have winter sports, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do not have spring sports or if they do it's going to be an extraordinarily limited capacity just like they have now with winter just not having them at all so i wouldn't be surprised this if this means that they say hey we're not going to be having sports in the spring or if they just say in the spring we'll have just non we'll just have conference athletics i i would bet that that might be what what they're going with and so does that mean we'll see another pen relays getting canceled uh two in a row because uh, there are what over a hundred and twenty some odd uh, races now, and so it it stinks that this is happening. I mean, this is obviously affecting a lot of people. Uh, Going to be interested to see how these programs stick. We saw obviously Clemson just last week announcing that they're going to be canceling their programs. So does this mean that we might now see some of these Ivy League programs canceling because they're not going to be getting the revenue from you know basketball that is not not competing? So we'll have to see. Also, this brings out the greater question of what's going to be happening to other conferences. Does this is this the first domino of schools and conferences announcing that they're going to cancel, uh, like we saw earlier in the spring or earlier on, sorry, in the fall for these fall sports? Um, in my mind, I honestly don't know. I'm not sure uh, because it's the winter sports now. If they cancel the winter sports, then they're really losing a lot of funding with with basketball not being played. Uh, if I were to say another conference that you might be, we might be seeing a similar thing happening. Uh, it might be Patriot League. Uh, Patriot League has Army, um, Navy, Bucknell. Those, those schools. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on some of the other ones. Uh, Lehigh competed there uh, quite a bit when I was in high school and college, and they announced that yeah, they're only going to be doing. Uh, conference play. Now, I I know this is for basketball. I'm not certain if this is related for all of their winter sports. So um, we're still going to see developing because, I mean, if this is for all of their winter sports, especially for indoor track, does that mean they're pretty much going to be having a conference championship every single week? So are they just going to go to, hey, this week we're going to have a meet at Navy, next week we're going to have a meet at Army, and then the week after that we're going to have a meet at Lehigh, and then they're just going to have you know, competition? If we see that, I actually think that would be really cool because then you would be able to have like a tournament series and you'll have records, which I think, which is something we don't have 
in collegiate track and field. It's really just the weekend meets where you go to different schools and you see different things and your team record doesn't mean anything. Like it doesn't mean anything if you win a meet nowadays. Does this mean if the Patriot League does just conference competition, does this mean we could see the very first like regular season, quote unquote, for track and field? If so, I think that could be really cool of an experiment to see because then you would have a regular season champion and then obviously your conference champion towards the end of the year, which would be great. It would be awesome to have this extra level of competition, which we do not see because all of the competition for track and field right now is on an individual level. It's do you win your race or do you win your competition? Do you win your jump, your throw, whatever it is. But with this, now it's like, okay, you have a team competition that isn't just your conference championship your regional championship or the national championship. This is something else. It's something that's brand new. Now, I don't even know if that's what's going to be happening because obviously it hasn't happened yet. We just know this from basketball and not, not basketball. We know this from football and soccer, which was just played in the fall. So now we'll have to see if this is what's going to happen for, for, for winter sports. So it'll, it'll be interesting uh, to keep an eye on, on the Patriot League. Uh, obviously, the Ivy League going down, it's it's sad. We'll have to see what happens with those athletes. And do any other conferences decide, hey, we're going to just do conference um, play or, hey, we're just going to cancel it all together? Uh, we've seen a couple schedules come out for, for other conferences with their basketball teams. I haven't seen many uh, track schedules be released yet because of the way that our, our scheduling is where you're going to different schools and there's so many schools at one one area at one time. So we haven't seen anything like that yet. Uh, now, the one other question that you might be asking is, well, how much does it cost? How much is COVID costing a team to do to do this testing? What What is it? Well, um, to put into perspective, St. Mary's uh, University, not Mount St. Mary's, unfortunately, different school, uh, in the WCC, uh, they said that they're spending over $400,000 a year on testing alone. So that is testing the, the coaches, the administrators that are, or I guess the people that are directly working within uh, the basketball program, because this was for their, their basketball team. So just imagine how much more it would be for a track team, which has an extensively larger program. So many more people, that number could easily be uh, closer to the million if they really wanted to actually do it just as accurate as a basketball team. So that that's for all the coach train getting all the trainers the coaches the players all that stuff so it, it costs a lot of money for this uh and so without that football money coming in or that basketball money coming in you're really dipping into that savings account quite a bit with spending four hundred thousand dollars that you did not account for in the beginning of the year you didn't think you were spending this money in the beginning of the year and now you have to i mean that's a lot of money that's coming out of the pocket so um uh, it's understandable now when you put into that perspective why a lot of these teams are canceling because just on testing alone costing over four hundred thousand dollars it can be you're looking at some incredible numbers when it comes to how much it costs uh next really briefly want to touch on national signing day uh just this past what was it Friday, Thursday, we saw National Signing Day. For those that don't know, it is the first official day that high school athletes are allowed to uh, sign uh, and say that they're committing to a college or university, um, Division One, Two, Three. Uh, and so we saw a lot of big schools that that took in recruits, which is a good thing. Uh, for example, it was highlighted by Texas, uh, which I think had eight. Penn State, I think had nine or ten. 
Kansas uh, had around the same amount, uh, as well as others. I think Colorado State or some other ones that are bigger schools that had some recruits. So what does this mean? Uh, does this mean that those programs are completely safe and we don't have to worry about them? No, not at all. But it means that they're they're looking forward to being able to field a team and that they, they probably plan on having a team in the long term as of right now. Uh, because obviously Clemson didn't have a signing class because they've already announced that they're not having uh, their athletes competing anymore. So now it means for, for those big programs like Texas, Penn State, Kansas, and others that they, as of right now, they plan on having uh, more more seasons and, and continue to be funded. So it's it's not huge news. Um, I, I don't know the exact names of, of some of these athletes that, that committed. And unfortunately, track and field doesn't have like a star system like basketball or football does where you can say, oh, yeah, that's a five-star recruit. That's a four-star recruit. I think it'd be really cool uh, if they did. Uh, that's probably another topic we'll get into of why don't we just have easy starring systems like other sports do to kind of see how good a track athlete is just like that. I mean, obviously you could look at the numbers, but unless you know the numbers, like unless you're a shot putter, you're not going to know what this kid that threw 16 meters means versus if you're a hundred meter runner. Like if I'm a hundred meter runner, I have no idea what that means. But if I see, oh, that's a four-star recruit, he's probably pretty good at shot put. So I think it'd be great to have a a ranking system so we can kind of get an idea of what that means. Uh, then uh, want to get into the last topic. So football and track debate. This is something that's been going on for the past month or so now. It's been a lot of discussion in between football, track and field. What's the relationship? Why do people hate each other for no reason, apparently, and, and, and all that stuff. And if you've listened to this show at any point, you know where I stand. And for those where this is your first episode, first, thank you. Uh, and second, I just hate the pettiness. I hate the pettiness uh, primarily from the track and field world because I love this sport so much. Obviously, I mean, you can see I got I got the poster uh, right in the background. I wear my, my track and field gear all the time. I'm hosting a track and field podcast. I love track and field and the sport, but sometimes the community can just get a little too unbearable. And what I mean is like, We'll see that other sports, so athletes from football, basketball, will say, oh, this guy, uh, he ran a, a 10-1. He's like, he almost would be faster than Usain Bolt in the finals. This is the fastest man alive. He's only half a second off or whatever it is. And people are getting in their uh, their panties in a twist like, no, 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 that's so far away. He's not even close to Usain Bolt. You're an idiot. I can't believe you would even make that accusation. You're so stupid. And I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, that's a great way to get people to listen to our sport. That's a fantastic way to get people that don't know about track and field to now listen and watch track and field by criticizing them and calling them dumb because they don't understand our sport. No, what you should do is let them know, hey, it seems like a really close time, but it is in fact a mile away. It isn't even close It's fine that you didn't know that because not everyone would know that. And this is what it means. And then say, like, I would love for you to come and watch some more meets. But, you know, just, you know, educate them a little little bit. Not criticize them on the fact that they don't know a sport that isn't advertised very much. That's where I think, that's where I stand on the the whole situation. Now, uh, recently we've we've seen the the comparison of DK Metcalf to track and field and 
him possibly running in the Olympic trials, which obviously would, would probably not happen uh, because he's just, I mean, he hasn't trained for track and field. He looks like he's fast, but he doesn't look like he's fast enough to be, you know, in the the elite level of speed. He's he's probably within the ten the top 10% or 5% of the world in speed, maybe even closer to, you know, closer to the 5 and 3% of speed. But if you want to be at the Olympic trials, you're you're talking about the top the top one percent of the one percent of speed you got to be top 10 in the in the country not top 10 in your sport uh of which of the nfl so uh we saw that a a couple weeks ago and just recently um which was interesting kind of on the other flip side we saw joe kovac so for those that don't know who he is he's a two-time world champion and olympic silver medalist uh in the shot put that is Uh, and he recently mentioned on twitter quote uh nfl athletes stronger than me zero NFL athletes faster than the elite track sprinter, zero. Game strong and game fast is not the same as elite strength competitors and elite sprinter speed. And, I mean, yeah, you're right. For the most part, I'd say you're right. That, you know, the NFL uh, athletes that are really, really fast are not as fast as the people that literally train for the speed their entire career, and that is what it's based on. I'd say you're correct, and it's you're not to me. You're not saying anything profound, and it's it's a similar thing with 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 the throwers and the strength aspect. Yeah, I, I'm I wouldn't put it past the fact that a shot putter would be stronger than an Olymp- than a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman. Yeah, you you should be. That's not saying that these guys aren't strong or these guys aren't fast. They're faster and stronger than probably almost every single, you know, uh, American out there and, and, and one of the, the fastest and strongest people in the world. Uh, but when you're talking about the top percent of the top percent, they fall short a little bit. Let's put it into numbers, though. Let's take a look at actually where do these people rank. So uh, Joe Kovacs, uh, lifting numbers, he recently, I think it was in August, he squatted 705 pounds 10 times, 10 times he squatted over 700 pounds. You can look it up on his Instagram account, uh, Joe Kovacs, if you want to take a look at it. Uh, You can see him actually doing this. Put that into perspective, J.J. Watts, uh, now this is is not uh, um, individually like verified as like he has it as a a record book, but looking up like J.J. Watt's records, who's one of the the stronger people in the NFL, his squat record's 700 pounds for one rep. Um, I think the the all-time record, uh, which was by a journeyman, I can't remember his name right now, I played for the Bengals, he squatted 800 pounds for one rep as well, uh, reportedly. So these guys are no joke when it comes to strength, but, you know, they're not quite as strong as these shot putters. And that's fine, because it's not their thing. Um... But you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see more action and less talking. So why don't we put this into a competition where we have a bench-off between top throwers, top NFL players, have it for charity, and they can all compete in repping these massive amounts of weights in, like, bench press. Okay, let's get you doing, like, 500 pounds. Who can rep out the most? Boom, you do it, or, or 300 pounds, whatever it is. You can, we can find the weight and then have it as like a team game. Who can just rip out the most amount of weight wins $100,000 for their charity. I think that'd be awesome. So let's see something like that instead of just tweeting. Like, 
it doesn't do anything. Just this tweet, what does it do? Besides, after this week, not even after the day, it was probably forgotten. I mean, the only reason that I'm talking about it is because I don't, I have a show with this thing. But otherwise, it's going to be forgotten, and no one's going to remember the fact that you're talking about all these people, you know, being faster or stronger than others. So let, let's see some action behind it, and it'll bring some much-needed eyes to our sport. Uh, in regards to speed, um, I mean, the speed category is a little more difficult when it comes to our people. Or are, are there elite speed people in the NFL? Because there are and there definitely has been. Let me do some examples. So Tyreek Hill, that's the, the, the name that pretty much everyone brings up when they're talking about speed in the NFL. Tyreek Hill ran a 10-19 uh, win legal in high school, senior year of high school. Um, and he reportedly ran sub-10, but there was a 5-mile-an-hour wind, which is over double the limit, so it really doesn't count. But still impressive nonetheless as a high schooler. Uh, extraordinarily impressive. Uh, so he, 10-19, that would be, I think it would have been 5th in the Olympics this past year. So obviously has some really great speed. Um, what are some other speed demons or, or just people that have track backgrounds in in the NFL? Well, Marquise Goodwin, who is a wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, go birds. Uh, he is actually an Olympic long jumper. Uh, he does not specialize in the 100, but when he was a freshman in college in 2009, he ran a 1024. I can only expect that he probably ran a lot faster than that since then. Now he's a little closer towards the end of his career. Um, I mean, he could still peak. I'm sure that he's faster than he was as a freshman, though, um, now that he's 29 years old. Um, and he obviously has Olympic-level Olympic, Olympic level talent because he was in the Olympics in 2016. He was in the Olympics in 2012. He's got speed, and you, you can't be that good at long jump if you don't have any type of speed on you. You have to have some elite speed. Uh, and then recently we've had some extraordinary speed in the NFL. Now these are some, some journeymen that were probably track athletes that tried to make it into the NFL based off their speed. Uh, we had uh, retired uh, players from 2015 uh, tried on Holloway, uh, Holiday. He was um, at LSU and he ran a 10 flat in the NFL. He was a journeyman. He only played for five years. He was pretty much just a return specialist, but he ran, a, he ran a 10 flat, and he actually competed at USA's uh, back in uh, college, and what was it, 2012 or 2011, and he ran a 10-7, a 10.07, that is, uh, and he was in the NFL. Uh, now he was more of a track guy that tried to do NFL, I would say. He, his, his NFL career wasn't as impressive, but still, there have been some elite sprinters in the NFL, and just like this, like I mentioned with the bench off, I'd love to see you know a run at United at the USA's. Let's see the top two athletes from the NFL, the top fastest players from the NFL, NBA, MLB, and MLS. Let's see them in a one heat 100 at the USA's, which would be what sometime in August or so every year for $100,000 for charity. Whoever wins gets it and can donate it to a charity of their choice. I think a lot of players would do it because they want to prove that they're the fastest athlete that's off the track. They want to know what their time is so they can brag to, to everybody in the league. It'll do, probably do great numbers if it's a, it's a player that is trying to you know, get, a, get a contract boost, um, just like how your, your 40 is really impressive in, in the NFL. And so I think that it, that would be great. And they would bring some much-needed eyeballs to our sport at one of the most consistently big events of the year, the USA's, that really could use some more eyeballs as well. So I think that would be an awesome way to bring more, more, more eyeballs to our sport as well as bring some value and, and really see what these guys can do. It would be really cool. I mean, who wouldn't want to watch that? You know, seeing Tyree Kill, Russell Westbrook, um, 
like Cristiano Ronaldo is not in the MLS, but you know, like all the like the major the major players in these sports, um, you know, go, running running against each other. Like I think it would be super cool, and would really be really awesome. And 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 similar thing like I mentioned with with the bench off. Like let's see it. Like let's let's not just talk about how we're so high and mighty. Like let's see it. Let's do it. Like I'm tired of just hearing people talking about track and field so great. Like sure, I mean. But we can't do half the things that they do as well. Like, sure, this guy can't run a 10 flat, but you also can't catch a jump ball Hail Mary like DeAndre Hopkins just did last night. So what are we talking about? We're debating something that we're, we're, it's apples and oranges. They're two different things. So we need to see this. Let's put it together. Get on at USA Track and Field. Uh, awesome. Well, that's been another episode of Track World News. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you once again for all the support. It's been really great. Make sure that you're subscribed. You share this episode with a friend and tell them to share it with a friend uh, and, and do all that good stuff. Really do appreciate it. Uh, once again, this is Colin Waitsman. We'll see you next Tuesday with more updates in the sport. Have a good one and peace. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.